You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today is the day we get caught up on Patreon. I've been um, doing a really good job of asking Patreon questions, doing polls and all that kind of stuff, but um, then not following up on it because news has been kind of crazy, et cetera, et cetera. Excuses, excuses. We're getting caught up today. So first of all, really quickly running through um, some of the different news and notes and whatnot about what's going on out there in the world. Apparently, there is a rumor that um, Christian Kirk, who has been an incredibly mediocre wide receiver, maybe it's because of his environment, the scheme, the fit, all that stuff. I don't know. Obviously, he was an early round pick, um, uber talented. He was one of those guys. There There was a period of time every single year where there was one wide receiver that was just the greatest wide receiver we've ever seen. And by the time the draft rolled around, it's like, I don't know, maybe late first, early second kind of a guy. But there's always one, or there, at least there was. There hasn't been, I don't think, for kind of a while. I mean, last year there was Jamar Chase, but Jamar Chase just stayed Jamar Chase. Uh, usually it's like a smaller, really speedy punt returner slash wide receiver, whatever. Anyways, Christian Kirk was one of those guys. And so I really liked him because that's also kind of my style of wide receiver, although they never really translate very well to the NFL. Just saying. But the word is, he's looking to get roughly $15 million or more per year. Now, again, a lot of this just has to do with reshaping our understanding of what $15 million does or means in today's NFL. But the bottom line is, when you look at it in terms of, you know, when we heard MVS was going to get $10 million, it's like, really? $10 million for MVS? And then you look at $15 million for Christian Kirk, and it's like, mm, okay, I'm starting to get the picture now. So it's, and by the way, this is why... Brian Gutekunst calls about everybody. Again, it's about finding out what the market is. He understands based on all these phone calls, not because he's desperate to get these guys in, but he understands what the market is. And so he knows what MVS is going to go for. He knows what guys like Christian Kirk are going to go for. He knows what all these guys roughly are going, what their market is going to be based on their production and based on just where the market's at. And so it gives us a better picture, not only for guys that we want to go get, but how to negotiate with our own guys. If we know what MVS is going to be offered out there in the market, it helps us to position ourselves to be able to try to bring him back or realize it's just never going to happen and reprioritize our efforts. So that one took me by surprise, but it's it's every year you hear contracts and it's like, well, that's stupid. But then you have to remind yourself it's not stupid. It was stupid maybe last year, two years ago. Every year, though, that number goes up and you have to reorient yourself to what stupid is compared to what smart is. And you always get a little stupid. Because, well, first of all, you're backloading, so that hit doesn't come until later, and then later the, the money spikes and, you know, it all ends up working out. But, but it's, it's always kind of a shock when you first hear these numbers rolling in, and that was one of the ones that shocked me, that and MVS for 10, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Amari Cooper did officially get shipped off to the Cleveland Browns. A lot of people were shocked to find out that it was a basically a fifth, I think it was a fifth-round pick, and they swapped six-round picks. But as I've always said, a trade isn't just a trade. You can't just say, here's the player and here's what they're worth in terms of draft capital. Because you're leaving a major variable out, and that is the cost of the contract. I've always said, if you trade for a player, the value of that player is their value, which is their production, um, their age, 
all these things put together. How much value do I think I can extract for them and for how long? That's overall value. That might be worth, you know, second round, third round, first and a third. I don't know. But then you subtract their contract because it's all part of the purchase price. And so in a sense, it's almost like you're really just looking at monetary value. He's worth, let's say, 23 million. Well, I'm paying 20 up front with his contract. So now he's worth about 3 million. I'll give you a sixth for him or a fifth for him. So it sounds crazy, but it's not. Because what they're really spending most of their capital on in acquiring Amari Cooper is cold, hard cash. You know, it's, it's, it's your cap hit. And Dallas understands that. And they, they know no team is going to say, I'll, I'll give you a first round pick and pay $20 million for Amari Cooper because that's stupid. It's kind of like if you were, um, somebody was like, I, I, I want to get out of this car. I've got a loan and I can't afford it. And I just need to get out from under it. Okay. Well, how much is the loan and how much is the car? See, see, the thing is, we always just think, how much is the car worth? Let's say the car is worth 11 grand. So people expect you should get 11 grand for this car. Nobody's looking at the fact that you owe $10,000 on the car. So in reality, you're getting the 11 grand, but 10,000 goes toward that debt and 1,000 goes in your pocket. So people see you sold an $11,000 car and you got $1,000, you're a sucker. No, that's just what you get, man. That's just what it's worth because there's still debt on the car. So anyways, that's the reason that is the way that it is. That isn't to say that there isn't some discrepancy, but you, you can't look at the 1,000, you look at the 11,000. If you look at the full 11,000 and say, no, he should have been worth 15, then you know maybe you got kind of pushed around. In other words, you should have had, get my numbers lost here, what did I say? You owed 10,000, so you should have had 5,000 stuck away in your pocket. You only walked away with 1,000. But nobody should be saying you should have walked away with 11,000. That's dumb. It seems like that's what most people do, right? Well, he, he went for, you know, first round, whatever he went for before, and now he's going for this. Talking about two different things. First of all, it's a different player. He's older. And there's also just more money on his contract now, presumably. I don't actually know. Um, in addition, uh, apparently now that Amari is over in Cleveland, the Browns are letting Jarvis Landry seek a trade. I have to assume it was the first one before the second one because, you know, not to say that Amari isn't better than Jarvis Landry. He probably is, but I don't know by how much. And I know, we well, it's a lot more because Jarvis hasn't been good in, in Cleveland. Yeah, and Odell Beckham wasn't good there either. It doesn't mean he wasn't a good wide receiver in New York and in L.A. It just seems like in Cleveland, everybody just kind of sucks a little bit. But I have to think the Odell Beckham thing plays into this a little bit. Odell was constantly talking about Jarvis and about how it's it's, you know, it's about legacy, and this is what it's always been about, is going somewhere where you can win. So I, I think Jarvis 100% is looking to go to a contender. He wants to do what Odell Beckham did. Maybe even just go to L.A., I don't know. I would guess the Packers would be on the list, but I don't think the Packers are interested in Jarvis Landry. So you're looking at some other teams. You're looking at the Chiefs, um, probably not Dallas, because apparently they're in the middle of a teardown. I have no idea. Plus, they just got rid of Amari because they can't afford the wide receivers. Um, again, maybe L.A. still, Buffalo, you know, whatever. And as a result of him saying, listen, I, I want to get out of here because this, this is, I, I, you know, we're not going anywhere and I, I really want to go win. And I think that was probably part of the reason Cleveland's like, all right, we got to go find somebody else. So they found Amari at a discount, again, because of his contract. And so if we get out of Jarvis Landry's contract, we kind of break even there. We get him for a cheap, you know, amount. And we're, we're, it's, it's, it's an upgrade of wide receiver for a fifth round pick, plus maybe a little extra cap. I, again, I don't care enough to go look up what Jarvis Landry's cap it was, plus the dead cap, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in other news, Daniil Hunter apparently uh, may be available. Now, as most people have pointed out, the, the, 
The Vikings aren't necessarily shopping Daniil Hunter, but there is rumor that he is available. In other words, they think that if, if a team is aggressive enough, they could probably get him off of Minnesota. Now, people are pointing to the fact that he's due $18 million roster bonus and his contract is so heavy. This is the dumbest thing ever. What, what have I always said about the Minnesota Vikings? The Minnesota Vikings have very few building blocks, but they have a couple. Daniil Hunter might be the biggest building block on that entire team. Justin Jefferson is the only other one that you could consider, you know, I mean, there, there's others that are that are fine, you know, a couple of pieces on the offensive line, whatever. Dalvin is certainly not a building block at this point, but there are two guys, and, and I think maybe the biggest cornerstone piece of this entire team is Daniil Hunter, who is still young and is one of the better pass rushers in the entire NFL. And you're telling me that, as well, his contract's a little much, we've got to let him go. BS. If there's any truth to this, which there maybe is not, it has to do with a new regime doing similar work to what the Bears are doing. They're looking at, for example, you know, it's like Khalil Mack. You don't want to get rid of Khalil Mack, of course, but he doesn't fit your scheme anymore. Daniil Hunter is a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end. We are now moving to a 3-4 outside linebacker type of system. And again, there's, there's hybrid this, that, and the other. Our guys who are in a 3-4-ish system put their hand in the dirt. But when you are not a, you know, I can do both kind of a guy like Rashawn Gary is, like Zadarius is, Preston not so much, but if you don't have pieces that can do both, and Daniil Hunter, as best as I know, is not a guy that can do both. You're looking at a guy that's looking to, we're going to massively overpay for, I'm not sure what production. That's a that's a devastating thing. If I'm looking at it and saying, I really want this defensive coordinator, but he's going to put us in a system that maybe excludes our biggest piece, Daniil Hunter, that might, that might just rule that out. I'm sorry, but Daniil stays, and you will find a way to use him. And if that means we can't be 3-4, then we are not 3-4, ever. At the end of this, it says trading him would free up over $14 million BFD, bro. 14 for Den- Come on. See, this is what I'm saying. This is stupid. Now, again, this rumor might be completely false. And teams are calling and GMs are like, oh, I bet Daniel Hunter is available because of... And again, the, the whole thing that it's because of his contract is so absolutely absurd. It's, it's, it's not even... I, I refuse to even entertain that as an option. If he is available... It's because a new regime has come in. They're trying to tear down and rebuild in their new image, similar to what the Bears are doing. The problem is, yeah, it's freaking Daniel Hunter, dude. It's not Khalil Mack where you can justify it. We're like, well, he's old. He's like 30-something. I don't know. He's old. Daniel is not old, and he is not over the hill, and he is not, you know, and any of the problems you might have, and he is worth every single penny. If there's any truth to him being available, it is not because he's too expensive. Give the man a new reworked contract if you can't afford it this year, which you can. This is this is the lamest excuse. By the way, if you need cap space, this is the only person, aside from, again, Justin Jefferson, you cannot touch. You don't touch this. Can't touch this. I told you, homeboy. But I, if, I had to, if I had to guess, this will not materialize into anything. Just because, again, I, I, I cannot imagine leadership allowing any kind of changes to their team that includes Daniel Hunter going away. I'm not opposed to it. It's the bottom line is though it's it's really hard to find these sort of cornerstone pieces and they found one and they don't have a ton of others and um yeah that that uh that does not make a lot of sense. It does again from the standpoint of, you know, I don't know if he fits, but that should have been taken care of before we got to this point. So I I, I don't think they would have allowed it to get to this point. Anyways, let's uh let's start poking through here. So this is from a while ago. I'm not going to put anybody on blast, but it's just kind of fun to revisit it. I had asked the question on February 14th, is Aaron Rodgers going to be back in Green Bay? Um, 63 total votes, 48 said yes. 
So it was always kind of a known thing. At least two-thirds of people had a pretty good idea anyways. How much he's coming back for still remains uh, up in the air. It's crazy, too, because, again, there are certain people out there, and it's not just randos that, you know, with two followers or whatever, that are convinced it's $50 million a year. Again, not going to name names, but I'm on Twitter like, what is what is happening right now? Like, they, they 100%, they know what Pat McAfee said. It is not $50 million a year. The reason he refused to sign a $50 million per year deal or any deal that makes him the highest paid player in football is because he wanted the team to have more money to be able to sign players. Now, again, that may not be true, but if that's the case, then Aaron Rodgers lied to Pat McAfee so that Pat McAfee could lie to all of us. And that serves what purpose? What purpose does that serve? I have no idea. But again, people have 100% dug in on the fact that Ian Rappaport is telling the truth and Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers are lying. Maybe, maybe, I'll, I'll leave maybe out there because there's a lot of people that are so dug in on that. I'm thinking I might be missing something here. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm starting to doubt it at this point because it, it's, it's freaking me out that so many people are so dug in. But if that isn't the case, if he is not the highest paid player in football, I'm going to be looking around Twitter a little bit. I'm going to be watching a few accounts to see exactly how they try to spin this one. Because we were given the answer. People whose job it is to be a, let's say, creator, which is, as I am, somebody that gives news and opinion based on information that's out there, refusing to believe the best information because it, I guess, doesn't suit your preferences, I, I don't know what the reason would be for that, is odd to me. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to ask. But I would just love to see an explanation of why, why people are dug in. Because again, if I'm missing something, I want to know what I'm missing. Was there like a major news dump that I missed? How about this question? Has Ian Rappaport even doubled down on what he said? Or has he just completely backed off it? Because if he's backed off it, you're defending a guy that's not even defending himself. Well, let's do a little digging around, shall we? I wonder if Ian Rappaport has, has uh, defended himself on his contract uh, talks with Aaron Rodgers. I, I wonder if he has said, here is the situation. Uh, Rogers and um, what's his nuts over there are lying, and uh, I was right. Let's let's see. Here here's Ian Rappaport. I'm gonna start kind of in the middle. I forget where it starts. This here. was always the biggest thing that the Green Bay Packers needed to do. The most important thing yeah. the Green Bay Packers needed Rogers to do contract. was get Aaron Rodgers in the fold. And now uh, this is expected to yeah. happen. He's informed Soon. them he's back. They're gonna finalize this contract. As far as the cap number, guys, mm. I was told Rodgers this year goes way down, and next year, yep. uh, not even in the top 10 of quarterback cap hits. What? So the next two years, Rodgers' big deal gives him wiggle room. So this is a contract, right? And it's, it, it, this is a contract in which this year his cap number plummets. Next year, he will not even be in the top 10 of quarterbacks. Are we trying to say that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the highest paid quarterback? I should, this, this is a Ken Ingles question. Show me a contract in which his contract, his, his cap number plummets this year, and he's not in the top 10 next year. However, he's getting $50 million a year. Because my assumption would be, we're talking about 2022 and 2023 low cap hits. Presumably, that means he will play in 2021 and 2022 with the, uh, with the or excuse me, 2022 and 2023. I forget that it's already 2022. Time flies when you're <laughs> having a great time, apparently. Um, 
my assumption is he plans to play those two years so that we have plenty of, of money to be able to play and sign guys, et cetera, et cetera. But what happens in 2024? Because if we're talking $50 million per year average on top of money that he's already owed, so that's also factored into this. So $50 million plus the money already owed on top of that raises the average per year. I don't know how much. It's not worth really doing the math, but it's over $50 million per year. And we're talking about a guy that's going to be at the most in the 30s for the next two years. That would tell me that this is going to be a really extended out contract, but the bigger issue is what happens in 2024, because if he stays, he stays on an unbelievably backloaded contract, meaning we can't really afford him, but we also can't afford to get rid of him kind of a thing. So we have to play him on a contract that is just kind of stupid. You say, well, maybe his his guarantees are burned. Unless his contract is built on zero guarantees, in which case, why would Aaron Rodgers even sign a contract that makes him look bad when it's fake? Because it's not clearly not a $50 million per year deal. If it's it's $50 million per year over four years, plus some void years, however, your guarantees are only about like $100 million, and that's going to be burned up in the first two years. So basically, we can cut you after year two, and we take on like a $20 million cap hit, and we're fine. Why would Rodgers even bother signing that contract? Because it's going to look like you signed a $50 million contract. You're not going to get $50 million a year. It's not even close. And you're going to get crucified by the media and the fans for taking a $50 million cap hit because they don't understand how these things work anyways. That makes no sense. There's no benefit in signing something that, and and I know a lot of times agents like to do this to make it seem like their guy got a big deal and all that stuff, but that's not where Rodgers is at right now. This isn't about status. This is about showing that I'm sacrificing for the good of my team. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he told um, Pat McAfee, whose name I can never remember. He's trying to get that message out. And so inflating this number beyond what it actually is makes no sense. And again, if there are guarantees in this, and it is closer to $50 million per year, then we're talking about a completely, completely untenable 2024 that we cannot get out of. And again, I would assume cutting him would mean we would lose money. So it's sort of like a, again, I'm just making this up, but I'm envisioning like a $50 million cap hit in 2024, and we cannot get out of it. Again, maybe, maybe that's the idea. Maybe we're really going to go all in and really, really blow this thing up in 2024, because we can't afford to keep anybody. Like, Devontae's gone, Bakhtiari's gone, Kenny's gone, like all these guys that are even sniffing 30, out the door. Goodbye. See ya. And we're going to try to sneak Jair and Rashawn through that that gate, because they're still young enough. We got we to gotta hang on to that. Elton Jenkins with his massive contract, but all the, all the old guys with big contracts, long gone. So, again, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't see any reason to believe we have to hang on to this $50 million per year thing. And, and again, Ian didn't say, well, actually, that's not, that's not even true. When did, when did all this go down? I got to look at my timeline here. So this was still March 8th. What, what time? I don't know what time this was, so I can't say for sure. This, it still says at the bottom of this ticker here that they agreed on a four-year $200 million contract. So he is saying, with, with the belief that this is a four-year $200 million contract, the first two years are going to be very team-friendly. So maybe that's why people are hanging on to this, because Ian's like, yeah, no, I, I totally believe that this is going to be team-friendly. I'm still told it's four-year $200 million. I don't know. You really got to stretch to bring those two things together, where Ian Rappaport and um, what's his name <laughs> cannot do it. Does he just not look like a Pat McAfee or something? There's something in my brain's like, I don't know, I forgot. Try to remember next time. I already forgot. I already, I don't even remember what we're talking about. I will never remember his name. Pat McAfee. 
think pro- part of the problem is that his last name is is not at all phonetic. It's McAfee. And it's like, no, you pronounce it Maca- McAfee. It's like, no, you don't. It's not Mac. It's Mick, first of all, Mick, not Mac. That's M-A-C. And then there's a capital A in there. So you should enunciate the A. So it should be McAfee. McAfee, not McAfee. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why I can't remember his name. That's my excuse. But I don't know. The bottom line is there at least seems to be some kind of clarity that it's going to be, he'll be here for two more years. It's not 100%, just like nothing is 100% at this point. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I just wish we could see the stupid numbers so I can get some clarity on this because it's so confusing. All I know is the guy that talked directly to Aaron Rodgers says that report is bogus. That's all I know. Anyways, next poll that I put out here, what is this thing here? Which position, and of course, this is um, complete speculation, but it's just for, all of this is just for fun. So if you can't just have fun with it, then just don't bother. Which position will the Packers draft in round one? I understand it depends who's available. I, I get all that. Let's just, let's just have fun with it. So of the 35 respondents, one said safety. We got one for linebacker. Four for wide receiver, which is low, but I suppose kind of expected for this audience. Wide receiver would be 95% of the media landscape, but I think for Packer fans at large, we kind of like, probably not though. Maybe, but probably not. Seven for defensive tackle, and then you've got 11 for offensive tackle and 11 for edge. So I've been kind of tracking, you know, as far as what the media landscape is and what the expectations are from guys like, you know, the, I don't even know who the bigwigs are anymore, but you know, the Mel Kuypers or whatever just because it's kind of good to get an idea of what they think. But at the same time, it's kind of a waste of time because I know what they think. They think we should draft a wide receiver. It's the same thing they've thought for the last five years. Anyways, I had a follow-up poll once we found out Aaron Rodgers was back and I said, he's back. How do you feel about that? Kind of surprised by the results. We had 49 people. Um, The lowest was we'll see, which honestly is kind of where I'm at because I can't make up my mind. 12 of the 49 said we should have traded him. 28 said they were excited about it. It's just kind of a kind of surprising that it was it was only about fifty percent, slightly more than fifty percent of Packer fans, or at least you know it's a small sample size, but that they were um, excited to have Rodgers back. It's a very split fan base on this, but like all, th- it's kind of like what I talked about with you know way back in the day: is is Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur going to get along? It depends if we're winning, right? If Aaron Rodgers comes in, we start winning, we start tearing it up. There's always going to be fans that are like, yeah, we're going to lose in the playoffs, anyways. But for the most part, people will be excited. If, if we're watching football on Sundays and we're winning football games, that's what it's about. It's enjoying my Sundays because the Packers are dominant and we can just laugh at Bears and Vikings and Lions fans and everybody else. And they can talk all their trash, but it doesn't matter because they know we're better. They know we're going to win the division and it just feels good. The other benefit of a two-year contract is that it's just it's just another year of Justin Fields not being able, you know, because Bears fans are like, he's... Because that's the moment. When Rodgers leaves, that's the moment our guy can take over if, if he can kind of step up. Yeah, but he can't, though. It's been one. It's going to be three. So he's looking at maybe going into year four. Maybe. If he's even any good. So, I don't know. Feels good. Feels good. Um, we're already 23-ish minutes into this. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and look at the Q&A. There weren't too many questions, but uh, I got a few others in other places, so we'll look at those. But we'll take a break. Don't forget to go over to my PayPal. You can find a GoFundMe for Drew to get his seizure service dog. Any help there would be greatly appreciated. If you head over to the Facebook group, you can find the GoFundMe for Jamie and Carter, their accident fund. Again, um, that one is is pretty close to being closed out. If we can kind of make a final push here for them, that would be fantastic. I actually got a donation um, for them, so I got to remember to go do that. Try to remember to get that done as soon as the podcast is done here. 
And of course, head over to amodernfrontier.com. You can get yourself a pastured pork box, a grass-fed beef box. Either you know you can get the full quarter or eighth, or you can get the sample box. The beef sample box, by the way, just to give you an idea of what's going to be in here, two ribeye steaks. I might want to check this one out. Two rib... All right, anyways. Two ribeye steaks, one rump or sirloin tip roast, five ground beef patties. These are one-pound packages. Five one-pound packages of ground beef patties, and I think there's four patties in each, so it's 20 burgers, basically. Um, Two packages of the beef wieners, which is one-pound packages. I think there's six of them in each package. Uh, One package of stew meat, and then five pounds, five one-pound packages of ground beef. So again, it's it's a much cheaper option. And if you use promo code MEATPACKER, one word, all caps, you get $25 off your order. So it's a good way to try to, if you're if you're determined to buy meat and not beans and rice during this uh, horrific time of inflation and everything else, this is a good way to try to keep those meat costs down by buying from a local farmer. And again, it'll be uh, delivered directly to your door. So head over to amodernfrontier.com. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So Goose says, who gained the most stock from the Combine in your eyes? Um, There's only one name that comes immediately to mind, and it's probably just among Packer fans and maybe a few other fans. But if you want to talk about a guy that was completely unknown, that is now being force-fed on every single mock draft that's available, it has to be wide receiver Christian Watkins, Watson, out of South uh, North Dakota State. I was reading Jalen Tolbert right beneath him, South Alabama. I was like, that's not right. Christian Watson, North Dakota State. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of talk about MVS possibly going bye-bye, um, the benefit that a guy like that has on this team. And when you look at Christian Watson, there really is one perfect comp for Christian Watson in terms of height, weight, speed, and that is MVS. Now, if you want to add in the explosion, there's only one real good comp, and that is Denzel Mims, which is another guy that was extremely popular among Packer fans. But it is such a rare combination of height and speed and everything else that they're just, regardless of position, I think there's one cornerback that kind of fits that that mold as well. But there's like three guys since 2000, which is as far back as I can search for this stuff. Since 2000, there's three guys that kind of fit the mold. MVS, the random corner, and Denzel Mims. And now Christian Watson, obviously. Now, unfortunately, Denzel Mims has been a pretty terrible wide receiver. Um... And MVS obviously is not terrible, but was not the most productive in the world. So um, being really tall and really fast doesn't automatically mean you're going to be great. Now, granted, Denzel Mims is a jet. So, you know, maybe they just suck at figuring out how to use him. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but you can't just assume he's tall and he's fast, so he's going to be great. 
We don't actually have any examples of guys that are built like this that are great wide receivers. Because again, there's only been two. It's MVS and Denzel Mims. Now, there's probably been others. Um, you could say Calvin Johnson if you want to be completely ridiculous. But I mean, that's that's a really tall, big, fast, just freakish human being. Probably the freakiest human being that's ever played in the NFL, to be completely honest. I mean, he's, he's taller and way... Six foot five, 237. And he ran a 4.35. Back in the day when 4.35 wasn't a thing. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it was... It's just, it's, it's, I don't know that, you know, I don't know. I, I assume at some point we'll see something like this as, as people continue to get freakier and freakier, but 237 pounds at six foot five. I mean, it's just, it's unfair to, to lump him into that because he was such an unbelievable freak. I mean, uh, MVS is like 208 pounds. I think Watson is like 207. Mims is 215 at six three. And I think he was less than that when he actually weighed in at the combine. But anyways, yeah, that that sort of, um, I think just the excitement of the height and speed gets people excited. I think everybody's always loved, at the very least, they love the idea of MVS. Some people are obsessed with him to begin with, just think he's a great wide receiver. And, but I think even the ones that aren't super sold on MVS, they still love the idea of him. And Christian Watson is in that mold. So um, I think he's just become, you know, there's a lot of guys that raise their stock. I mean, half the guys here ran way faster than anybody thought, but that one comes immediately to mind. Douglas says, why aren't we talking more about crypto? I don't know, man, because every time I talk about crypto, I get confused and I don't understand it. And so I don't really talk about it. I've looked at it a bunch of different times. And every time it's explained to me, it's like that, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. I kind of view crypto like I view um, renewable resources, um, flying into space, electric cars. It's something that I like, but it's too early. And granted, with crypto, the earlier you get in, the, the presumably the richer you'll be. But it's just, it's not a stable enough thing. It doesn't really work right now because there's not enough of it. It's not being traded at a high enough uh, frequency in terms of, you know, using it as currency by a, a, a massive amount of people around the world. So it's just, it's super high volatility. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I'm fine not getting rich and just utilizing it when it's something to be utilized. Like when it becomes just a stabilized currency, fine, let's do it. I don't need to get on the ground floor and become a billionaire because I was the first one to figure out Flipdocoin uh, when it was 0.000001 cents and I bought 400 of them and, you know, or 40,000 of them and now there were 35,000 each and now I'm the richest man on planet Earth. You know, I, I don't care. I mean, I care. It would be nice. But now, now we're just talking about random gambling. But if, if you want to talk about it in the future, becoming something that is a stable currency, that's fine. But by the time that happens, it's going to be regulated by the government, which they're already trying to do. So they're going to mess with it anyway. So it, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, when it becomes tenable to get off the dollar and use it, would I do that? Sure. To some degree, I'm never going to fully get away from the dollar. I don't want to unless it collapses or whatever. I don't know. But not super worried about that at the moment. Again, just like electric, I, I like electric cars. I do. I think they make a lot of sense. I love that they're super high performance. I love that they're, um, I mean, the range, I mean, it's just, it's a technology thing. It's like televisions and phones and, you know, those things have gotten to the point where they've kind of maxed out. You know, a new phone comes out, it got a better camera, but you don't even notice the difference. Like, I can't tell the difference unless you are shooting high quality things and you're a photographer. You don't notice the difference. They all have unbelievable cameras. They all store a massive amount of data. They all run lightning fast. So all these improvements are... Unless you're doing something super crazy on your phone, it's just the same phone for me. And so now we're getting into gadgety type stuff and, and, and the price keeps coming down. It's a great thing about technology. It's a sector that is massively high demand. The smartest people in the world are working on it and there's almost no government regulation. So it's allowed to get better and the price stays low. It's a beautiful thing. 
And I think the same thing is going to happen with electric cars. The price is going to continue to come down. The range is going to continue to grow. There's going to be more charging stations. The charging time is going to take even you know less and less time. And at some point, it's just going to make sense, and it's going to be great. It's going to be cheaper than gas, especially now with the nonsense that's going on. I don't know exactly how green it's going to be, just you know, because electricity comes from coal. But I don't super care either way. It's not my goal anyways. I just want a sweet car that I don't have to get oil changes for. <laughs> that's pretty much it. And, you know, it's one of those, in the future, you know, when you buy a car, maybe it comes with a home charging station or something. But it's just, the point is, it's too early. It's too early for me. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to spend 50 grand on a car that's not actually worth 50 grand because I want to get in early. Talk to me when it's, when it's ready, when it's a little bit more mainstream. And fortunately, we have guys like Elon Musk that are working very hard to make it mainstream. And it's going to take early adopters, people that want to be the first, that want to look cool and all that stuff. We need people like that to be able to drive the cost down and to be able to keep those companies afloat so that someday someone like me who doesn't give a you-know-what about being the coolest guy on the block with my way-too-early car that hasn't been fully fleshed out yet, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come in when it's ready. It's not ready. Crypto for me is not ready. Space travel. Someday I intend to be in space. I do. But I'm not going to be one of the first. And I'm not going to drop, you know, 100 grand or whatever these guys are paying to get up into space for 15 minutes. I'm going to be 75 years old. Space travel is basically going to be like an amusement park ride. It's going to cost, you know, 150 bucks all in today's money. You know, it's like one of those premium rides. Like you spend 30 bucks to do that swing thing. This would be like 150 bucks. It'd be like skydiving. I don't know how much skydiving. 300 bucks. I don't know. And they launch you up into space and you come back down and it's like, oh, sweet. I'll do it then. I'm not doing it now. So that's why I don't talk about crypto. Brian has a question, but it is based on uh, the what ifs of Rogers coming back. So we don't need to talk about that. Andy has a question. It says, what makes you happy about the Packers? Is there a play you like them running? I like the rollout to the tight end play on first down. I wish they did more of those last season. Is there a position or coach you feel great about? Is there something to talk about that puts away the disappointment of last season and the what ifs of the offseason and just makes you happy? Yes. Because again, I, I, I am not, first of all, I'm not disappointed about last season anymore. I'm completely over it. I got over it three days after we lost. I really, really would love to win a Super Bowl. I really, really would. I'm not going to lie and say I don't care. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm not crushed when the Packers lost. I just sat in my chair and thought this can't be real. I couldn't move. I just stared at the TV. It felt fake. Like there's no way we just lost. How does the season just end like this? But again, once you get over that, for me, it's really just a matter of I love football. I love the Packers and I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited about this today. I'm to be honest, I'm I'm almost to the point where my least favorite part about being a Packer fan is Sunday. Because Sunday is just so stressful. <laughs> like, I mean, I love cheering and all that stuff, but it's so unbelievably stressful. And it's to the point where this this for me is all the fun of being a Packer fan with no stress whatsoever. We can speculate about what we're doing into the future. We can talk about the contracts. We can talk about the draft. We can talk about future prospects. We can talk about how we're going to build the team, what we're going to do going forward, talking about guys taking steps forward and this and that and, and you know, the Bears and the Vikings and Lions and da 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 It's fun talking about this stuff, and I don't have to worry about the Packers might lose today. What if we lose? What if someone gets hurt? What, da, da, da. Nobody's getting injured. Nobody's getting put on IR, and the Packers are not losing today. So I guess I don't know the answer to the question, what is it about the Packers that makes me happy? It's everything. It's, it's, it's like a, a whole ecosystem. It's a whole world. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a lifestyle. And it just is my lifestyle, and I, I like it. Is there a certain play? No, there isn't. I mean, a successful play. I don't care if it's a running play, a toss to a tight end, a 40-yard touchdown, what, what, whatever it is, as long as it works, I'm happy. A converted first down on a QB scramble. 
that'll get me excited. Anything that makes me cheer, I don't really care what the play call is as long as it works. Is there a position or coach you feel great about? Yeah, I like all our coaches. I mean, some of them I don't know about yet, and there's some I like more than others. Obviously, Matt LaFleur is a great coach, but I'm comfortable with everybody. Position, yeah, we got a great quarterback. We got uh, a great wide receiver. We got a great running back group. We've got a good core along the offensive line, although there could use some improvement. Love Rashawn off the edge, if nothing else. I feel like we got a really good cornerback group. Um, safeties, maybe. Linebacker, maybe. Depends on who's coming back. But I, I just, we, we got a good team. I like our team. And I'm optimistic about the future. Guys uh, taking steps and improving. Um, finding more people in free agency in the draft. And yes, I'm sure we're going to find somebody in free agency. Just like every year we're broke and every year we find somebody for cheap to bring in. But we're going to add people and they're going to be good people. And we're going to lose some people. But it's going to be a really good team. That's all I know. So I see you put like the what ifs of the offseason as sort of a negative that needs to be overcome. It's not. I love that. I don't love the disappointment. I don't love the loss, but but I love everything else. Even the drama, which gets annoying, it's still kind of exciting. It is, in, in a way. It's, it's an exciting thing. I mean, I, I don't like some of the outcomes. I don't like some of the way that things happen, and it does get tiring after a while. It's like, all right, we get it. I feel like we've been um, been riding this for a while. Let's, let's, let's get to the conclusion here. But I love all of it. I love the drama of the NFL. Amari getting traded. That's exciting stuff. It's fun. It's you know, it changes the whole dynamic of the NFL. What what is Dallas now? And to speculate on, I love that. What is the NFC? Depends on a lot of big moves that are coming, and there's a lot of big moves that are coming. We're just getting started now. In fact, we're um, just a couple days away from free agency. Now, the the this is one of the things I keep forgetting that I just remembered now. So I'm not going to get this wrong today. The official start date of NFL free agency is March 16th, but we're going to be getting news of trades. In fact, the massive flurry of major trades is going to take place before Wednesday, March 16th. I don't know exactly what day it starts, but potentially by Monday, you're going to hear so-and-so was signed by so-and-so. Why? Because they're basically done deals. It can't be official until the new league year starts, but you're going to be getting um, word of Deals being done. So-and-so has... Because remember, the, the legal tampering period has started. So you can talk to players. You can make offers to players. You can do all these things. And you can agree in principle on, on new contracts with new teams. So we may get news of MVS signing with a new team tomorrow or Tuesday or whatever. It's just not official until Wednesday, March 16th at, at 1 p.m., presumably Eastern time, noon central, I would guess. That's just when it's official. But the funny thing is, by the time the actual free agency starts, most of the good stuff is done. Most of the real juicy, like, big name, this, that, and the other, that's done. So I love it, man. I love all this stuff. I love all the drama. And uh, again, we're just getting started. It's also why I haven't been so big on, you know, talking about, well, the NFC is just complete trash this year. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. A lot of people are leaving, but a lot of people are going to come back. There are, there are going to be teams that, um, you know, maybe Dallas does fall off, but there's going to be somebody else in the NFC that steps up and the AFC. And I mean, these guys got to go somewhere. All these guys getting cut, all these guys not coming back. They're going somewhere. Patrick says, now that Adams and Rogers are back, what can they do to gain more cap space? If there's only one guy who's a free agent, who would you like them to sign? Well, I mean, the, the, the Adams and Rodgers thing still are not fully resolved. I mean, we need Rodgers to get his new contract so that the contract, or so the salary cap can actually plummet and our cap space can, can officially be more than what it is. And with Devontae, we need to get him a new contract because that will bring down his cap for this year, presumably. On top of that, we need to get Jair a contract. It's going to be a big contract, but again, year one, it's going to be lower. Um, Sidarius has not officially been uh, cut. That will be happening. 
that will free up some space. And, and there's just, there's other, I don't know that there's too much more restructuring that we can do. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's always something you can do, but it's not going to be anything massive. At this point, we're talking about getting guys new contracts and we're talking about cutting guys off the team. Those are, those are the big things. And those, those are the big ones that I mentioned. We, we got to get Rogers contract finalized. We've got to get Devante a new contract. We got to get Jair a new contract. We got to move on from Zedarius. And then we're probably going to move on from a handful of other people. And we'll see where we're at at that point. Is there a free agent I would like them to sign? We do need to start talking about free agency probably very early tomorrow. That'll have to be tomorrow's thing for sure. Because again, that, that news is going to start rolling in. So we got to get an overview of, of who's available, et cetera, et cetera. If we look at Greg Rosenthal, he put together the top 101 free agents that are available. Obviously, we don't have a lot of money for a lot of these guys, but we'll go through some of the names. Teron Armstead, offensive tackle. And at this point, you assume they are going to be free agents. I mean, they can still sign with their team, but you know, it's, it's a little bit late. Um, maybe in the final hours, we'll still hear about some of these guys coming back. But um, offensive tackle, Teron Armstead, can we afford a brand spanking new top of the free agency class? For, no, we can't. J.C. Jackson, cornerback, no. Von Miller, edge rusher, no. Not that I'm opposed to him, but I don't think he's coming here, and I don't think we can afford him, et cetera, et cetera. Carlton Davis, the cornerback, again, I don't see us going out and getting a corner, at least not a really high-priced one. Chandler Jones, edge rusher. He's 32 years old. It'd be interesting to know how much he wants in, in money, but um, I would assume it's too much. Again, we pick up guys like Christian Kirksey, who who is you know actually actually that was kind of a people were excited about that. Let's just well let's say Devondre Campbell. We all kind of look at it and go mm, whatever. He probably won't even play. Uh, Tyron Matthew again probably not. Marcus Williams is a safety. Allen Robinson, the wide receiver. I see no reason to pay him what he wants, especially considering last year when he didn't perform well, and it seemingly was largely because he just felt like he didn't want to. Um, Emmanuel Agba, edge rusher, 28 years old, probably be too expensive. Brandon Scherf has been one of the most high-priced offensive linemen in football the last couple of years. Can't imagine that changes a ton. Um, Odell Beckham, no thank you. Center Ryan Jensen, we already have a center. Stephon Gilmore, the corner, no thanks. Dwayne Brown, offensive tackle, is going to be too expensive, even though he's 37 years old. Jameis Winston, that's a joke. Randy Gregory is another edge rusher. He's a basket case. There's no chance. Bobby Wagner at linebacker would be interesting. Um, it would be a lot of fun. I've always had a lot of respect for Bobby Wagner. I know Aaron Rodgers has a lot of respect for Bobby Wagner. But again, I just, I don't see, I mean, if we're going to bring a guy back, it'll be uh, Devondre Campbell, and he'll probably be cheaper than Bobby Wagner would be my guess. Jadavian Clowney is doing his every year um, new team thing, and I don't see that being a thing. He got Devondre Campbell on the list, which obviously that one is circled because the Packers are going to want to do a deal with him. Michael Gallup presumably will be re-signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Calais Campbell at 36 years old would be kind of fun, just because it's Calais Campbell. Uh, James Daniels of the Bears offensive guard. I don't know that I would hate that necessarily. I don't think he's an elite offensive guard, but I think he's good enough to be an improvement over what we have and and with the importance of uh, the offensive line. See, and that's that's the other thing free agency is really good at. You don't want to go into the draft saying, if we don't draft this person, we're in trouble. So you want to bring in enough guys to where you at least feel comfortable with this team so that if we didn't draft anybody, we'd be okay. Get to that point today. Get to the point where you can be okay no matter what, and that allows you the freedom to draft who you feel is best. So you're not pigeonholed in, this guy's better, but we if we don't draft you know a defensive tackle or whatever, we're doomed. So we better just kind of reach a little bit on this guy. And if they really are hell-bent on, we need an offensive guard, especially with Elton being hurt and everything else, I don't know that James Daniels would be the worst option. I don't know what his market's going to be. It says he's only 24, which is insane. But I would, I would be interested to know how much 
he's worth. I mean, offensive guard is not generally a very high-priced thing. And I know a lot of people are like, why are you even talking about this? We have no money. We will. Again, it has to be a low price, but we'll, we'll see. That one would be somewhat interesting to me. Rob Gronkowski would be more funny than anything. Uh, Joe Note, boom tackle. Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback. DJ Jones, defensive tackle. Again, a lot of these guys are going to end up, especially because they're big names, they're going to they're gonna make big-time money. Guys like Akeem Hicks. I don't, I, he's going to get overpaid. And he'll probably be fine, but 32-year-old Akeem Hicks, as much as I would like him to be on the team, there's no way. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's going to get, he's just going to get paid too much, and I don't want to be the team that pays him too much. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, I don't know what happened to him. He just, at some he went from being like the nicest guy in the world, he was out doing great things for Pittsburgh and all that, to being just kind of a goofball that seemed like he didn't really care, and I don't think we want that on this team. Do I think he could come over with a renewed um, vigor and just get really, really excited and be a really good football player, which he was for like a year or two? Sure, but I don't want to be the team, again, that overpays him and then finds out that, no, he's the same goofball doing stupid TikTok dances uh, before we snap the ball. So and you get all the way down here to 39, you got Christian Kirk. And remember, we're talking about $15 million for him. Now, that's not to say everybody above him is automatically getting more money, but it just goes to show, like we're all the way down here, we're still talking about $15 million. So some of these guys are going to get stupid paid. Cordero Patterson, I think, would be super interesting. I mean, if he's not worth a lot of money, just what he does on returns makes it worth it to me. I don't care if he doesn't play a single snap, which I think he could, being a running back wide receiver type. Um, I think he would be somebody that could fit in real well with, with Matt LaFleur, does on, on a, just a couple things. But again, just being one of the best kick, ret- maybe the best kick returner in NFL history. Remember, Devin was a punt returner, Hester. Legitimately, I looked at it, somebody said that, and I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, he, he legitimately is maybe the best kick returner in NFL history. With a renewed focus, he's only 31 years old, probably not going to be super expensive because everywhere he goes, aside from like his one stint with New England, he has never really been that productive. That would be interesting to me. And it would it would demonstrate, I think, to, to me and a lot of people that we're taking this seriously. We are going to be better in this area. It doesn't have to be Cordero Patterson, but it would be an automatic, like, okay, they're they're not playing around with special teams now. Uh, Will Fuller, I've always been a big fan of, but again, he's going to get paid too much money. Lincoln Tomlinson, probably going to get too much money. A lot of people excited about Evan Ingram. I don't know why. Um, he's been overhyped since the day he got drafted. Uh, I think his rookie year, he was decent, but after that, he's just done nothing. I'm not overpaying for 28. And again, 28, I feel like he should be like 32 at this point. Um, Bilal Nichols is another bear that might be going somewhere else. That's kind of like a an underrated prospect, whereas Akeem Hicks, based on the name, based on some of his his upper upper end production, what he's done, he's going to get overpaid. I think Bilal, at 25 years old, um, might be sliding under the radar a little bit. He doesn't have the name recognition. But I think he's done some good stuff here and there. Um, and he might be a guy that doesn't really get that massive contract. Razul Douglas, obviously, you can put a underline that one. Somebody had asked me about DJ Chark on Twitter. Um, DJ Chark is another guy that fits that MVS kind of mold. He's really tall and really fast. Um, he had basically one good year in Jacksonville and kind of fell off, which again, this could be a really good investment in a guy that seemingly was a draft quote-unquote bust, but in reality has just been playing in Jacksonville, and that explains 75% of his quote-unquote bust uh, status. Might be worth a shot at 25 years old, depending on his, um, depending on his status. And, and again, it seems unlikely, but if we lose some of our guys, MVS for sure, Randall Cobb for sure, it's another one that we can cut and save a bunch of money. Um, if we get low enough, we're kind of in that point where it's like we have to draft somebody or we're doomed. You bring in a guy like Chark, we don't have to do jack squat. Doesn't have to be Chark, I'm just saying. So 
I'm not going to go through all 101 because we're only about halfway through that list. And a lot of these guys are probably going to get re-signed. I'm very curious about Anthony Barr again, now that they're going to sort of an outside linebacker. I feel like he's been miscast as an inside linebacker for way too long. I'm interested to see what would happen if they try to put him at pass rusher, especially since they don't really have many three, four outside linebackers. Be curious about that. Casey Hayward, it's only 32 years. Another guy, I feel like he's like 38. He's too old. That would be a fun reunion. But anyways, um, kind of leave it at that, I guess. I don't know. There's options, but without seeing how much they want and without having any idea whatsoever, the Packers have a good idea. This is another thing that people are always talking about is um, the Packers don't know how much money they have because Rodgers won't sign a contract. I have a feeling they're 99% of the way there. So they kind of have a pretty good idea of what the contract is going to look like, but there's certain details that are not quite ironed out yet. So although that may cause some problems or confusion, and again, I also speculated that it's possible that it's the other way around. We're not sure exactly how to structure Rodgers. You know, the final details will depend how certain things pan out. In other words, if we can bring back, you know, Razul Douglas and um, Devondre Campbell, that obviously gives us less money. And so we'll structure Rogers' contract this way instead of that way. If they can't be re-signed, so maybe we're waiting until the end of free agency. Everyone's assuming Rogers is holding us up. Maybe we're holding up on Rogers' contract because we want to see, you know, again, this whole thing supposedly is about flexibility. So if you're going to use that flexibility to sign guys, great. If you're not going to sign guys, then you're going to put more money on this year, et cetera, et cetera. Also entirely possible. But either way, I really doubt they're so far away from an understanding of what Rodgers' contract is going to look like that they just have no idea. And and I, I don't think so. I think they have an understanding of that. They have an understanding of some guys that are leaving. So in other words, their their view of the salary cap is very different than ours because there's a lot of things they know that we don't. There's a lot of guys that they, you know, even, even guys like Jair, if they're close to a deal, they understand how it's going to be structured largely. So they know roughly how much space they're going to have. Now, maybe they don't pull the trigger until it's official because you never know something can happen, but they have a very good idea of how much space that they have. And it's it's not negative at this point. They fully they they have they have a salary cap right now they're looking at that is positive. It's just it's more about the details. Do we keep this guy, cut that guy? Depends on if he signs and then, you know, how we structure this, which depends on that. And there's there's a whole, we're kind of waiting for some of these dominoes to fall. And I think free agency is going to be a massive domino. We all think that Rodgers is the massive domino. I feel like free agency is a big domino. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I've got a, a banging headache and I got to get over to Ace Hardware because I got me a 26-inch Weber grill waiting to get picked up. Super jacked up about that. Some people don't even know that exists, man. There's actually a bigger Weber. It's called like the Weber... Uh, uh, ranch or something. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's super ridiculous, but, um, I'm be getting that and it'll be a lot better to be able to smoke on a Weber grill because of the size of it and everything else. I'm going to get me a little slow and sear to go with it. So excited. So excited. And it's going to be 50 today. So the timing on that, it's a beautiful thing. Honestly, probably have to stop at the store and get some different food to, to grill because I, I've got a steak, but I'm not going to put one tiny little steak on a, uh, 26 inch Weber kettle grill. That doesn't even make sense. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.